0: I want to talk about faith this morning, um, but I want to look at it from a slightly different angle from three people in the book of Luke in chapter 7 who, um, there's a little cameo picture of their encounter with Jesus, Um, and uh, I've kind of labeled them um, the ones, the centurion, and he's the seeker, he's seeking God. For many of us, that's where we're at, or we were at. The other one is, uh, we got it up there, the stumbler. One who has faith, but he's busy losing it. And the last one is uh, a group of uh, God-fearing men, but because of their self-righteousness, are at risk of being excluded from the kingdom. And so I want to talk about faith this morning, but I want to speak about faith from a very personal uh, vantage point. We're people after all, and faith you can talk about is very abstract as a concept, but I want to talk about it through the lens of people like you and me and the way we come to Christ, and what Christ has to say through the lives of these three people. In chapter seven, there's actually other people as well who have experiences with Jesus. Unfortunately that would end up in a sermon series though, so we'll just stick with the we'll just stick with these three this morning but my, my hope and I'm going to pray for us now my hope is that even as we look at the word of God that God would actually encourage and strengthen you wherever you're at in your journey with Christ amen so let's pray lord we want to ask that you would continue you already have been at work this morning but we want to ask that you would con- you would continue to work in our hearts in our lives through the ministry of the word pray that you bless your word to our hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So I want to start with the centurion. Uh, the slideshow is just a visual guide to keep you engaged. There's not a lot there, actually. Just nice pictures. Sometimes pictures help. Uh, so uh, we're going to read Luke chapter 7. Uh, if you've got your Bible, it's not going to be very easy to stay with me this morning because we're basically just in one chapter. So if you're in Luke chapter 7, that's pretty much where we'll be. So if you could just put up that passage, Luke chapter 7, verse 1 to 10, tells us a little bit about the story of the centurion, who I am calling uh, the seeker this morning. Uh, When Jesus had finished saying all of this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum, and there a centurion's servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick. And about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus. And he sent some of the elders of the Jews to Jesus. Asking him to come and heal his servants. When they came to Jesus. They pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this. Because he loves our nation. and And has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you, but say the word, and my servant will be healed. For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes, and that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does it. This is Jesus' response to the, the seeker, to the centurion. When Jesus heard this, he was amazed. Turning to the crowd following him, he said, I tell you, I have not found such great faith, even in Israel. Then the men who had been sent returned to the house and found the servant well. It's a really interesting uh, story because the centurion, the centurion was a Roman. He was a Roman soldier. And we know that Jesus actually repeatedly said that his mission on earth was first to the Jews, the people of God. And when they rejected Christ, Then the gospel went to the Gentiles. And so some people came to Jesus and they asked for a miracle, but because they weren't Jews, he said, You're going to have to wait because I'm here first for the Jews. This man was a centurion, he was a Roman uh, soldier. And so he wasn't Jewish. And so, out of rights, Jesus probably should have told him to wait also. Um, But this man was respected both by the Romans and the Jews, which is an unusual thing because the Romans were the nation that conquered the Jews by military force and crushed them. So it's unusual that a centurion was so respected by the Jews. But he was respected by the Jewish nation, by the Jewish people, and it was actually the Jewish elders that came to Jesus and pleaded with Jesus to do a miracle for a Roman soldier. It's a very unusual thing to happen. But he was also respected... By the Romans, because a centurion was a soldier who had won the respect of the other soldiers. He became a centurion by doing mighty acts of valor on the battleground. And so he had won respect from the Roman soldiers. So he was a well respected man. But what's interesting about him was he's humble. Everyone thought so highly of him, the Jews and the Romans, but he himself didn't think too highly of himself. Fascinating thing, eh? And we can pick it up in his language. He said, I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. He also said, I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. So he actually had a very low view of himself, even though everyone else thought he was a great guy. I want to say it to you this morning, maybe you don't feel like you are worthy enough or qualified enough. Maybe you feel like you've been disqualified in some way as we were singing in worship. And God would say to you this morning, all I'm looking for is humility and faith. And I will find you. And I will allow allow you to find me. And so, um, this centurion, it seems, had actually become a convert to the Jewish religion. And that did actually happen sometimes. That even though God had revealed himself to the Jews, through the Jews, God had revealed himself to the nations surrounding them. And sometimes, as it seems like the case with this centurion, people would actually adopt the faith of the Jews. Uh, And they would be called proselytes, and they would be allowed to uh, experience some of the blessings of the Jewish people. And so he came to worship the God of the Jews, even though he wasn't Jewish. And in many ways, all of us have a story like that. That the faith of Christ becomes our faith, and God includes us in his people. And so, to you this morning, if you feel like I'm not one of those chosen ones whom God has called out of this world but I would like to be. The good news of the gospel is that if you humble yourself and come to Christ and trust in Him, you can go from being a seeker to a child of God. It's encouraging. That is the good news of the gospel. It's grace for The undeserving. And what's interesting is that oftentimes it was the most undeserving people that would find Christ first. And so oftentimes the tax collectors and the prostitutes and the sinners would be the ones that would find Christ first. And that is because Jesus makes his home with those who come to him with humility. Not thinking highly of themselves, but but valuing the person of Christ and putting their trust, not in what I can do, but what he has done for me. And that is the good news of the gospel. The second person in chapter 7 is the stumbler. And the stumbler in this particular story is uh, John the Baptist. We didn't have a photo, so I found an illustration for what it's worth. And so, we're going to read Luke chapter 7 verse 20 to 23. You could put that up for me. Luke chapter 7, verse 20 to 23. When the men came to Jesus, they said, John the Baptist sent us to you to ask, are you the one who was to come or should we expect someone else? At that very time, Jesus cured many who had diseases, sicknesses, and evil spirits, and gave sight to many who were blind. So he replied to the messengers, Go back and report to John what you have seen and heard. The blind receive sight, the lame walk, those who have leprosy are cured, the deaf hear, and the dead are raised. The good news is preached to the poor. Now look at this last line. This last line tells us a bit about what's happening here. Blessed is the man who does not fall away, or another way of translating that is, who does not stumble on account of me. Blessed is the man who does not stumble on account of me. And so the backstory story to this passage here is John the Baptist was chosen to be a prophet to go ahead of Jesus. In fact, he's got a very interesting story. If you read the story, even from birth, even when he was still in his mother's womb, he was called to be a prophet and a testimony to the coming Messiah. And so his whole life was to be a messenger, a prophet that would point to Jesus who was coming soon after him. And he actually spent a lot of his life living in the desert, very poor, eating whatever he could scrounge out from the rocks, which was usually grasshoppers and honey. And he, he lived a very humble life and he came preaching a message of repentance to say, repent and be washed. He would baptize people in water and then he pointed out Jesus when he came and he said, look, the Lamb of God who comes to take away the sin of the world. That was his whole mission in life. And so you think, surely it's not possible for somebody like that to stumble in their faith. His whole life he was a prophet. The Bible says he was filled with the Holy Spirit from birth. <laughs> I only got filled with the Spirit much later in life. But John the Baptist got baptized in the Spirit before he was born. So you think surely surely somebody like that can't stumble in their faith. And yet Jesus is saying to the messengers that came from John, blessed is the man who doesn't stumble because of me. And the reason why I think John the Baptist was stumbling was because Jesus was coming into his prominence, he was coming into his anointing, he was coming into his ministry and he was starting to get famous and people were starting to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. But John, who was the prophet of Jesus, was arrested because of something that he said. Something that he said that was true. He was just doing the job of a prophet, which is to speak loudly about what God says and what God says, which is true. And he had fallen out of favor with the king. And he had been arrested and thrown into prison was speaking what was true. And it didn't look good for John. It looked like he was either never going to get let out of jail or he might actually be killed. And so John was busy rotting away in jail and Jesus was getting more and more famous. And one of the messianic prophecies about Jesus was that he would heal the blind, he would heal the sick, he would raise the dead, and what else would he do? He would set the captives free. And John was really hoping that he would be one of those captives that would be set free, seeing as he was the prophet coming before Jesus, right? Surely he'd be the first candidate for being set free. But he wasn't. In fact, we know now that the story ended with with John the Baptist getting his head cut off in jail. And he was never set free. And so his faith was stumbling. And I want to say, and I probably don't need to say it, but I'll say it anyway, that for every single person who is following Christ, that has faith in Jesus, there will be a moment when you will stumble and where you will feel like stumbling. And so Jesus would say to you, blessed is the one who does not stumble on account of me. Jesus will be offensive to you. Jesus will cause you offense at some point in your life if he hasn't done so already. I remember when I was a teenager, my family um, sold most of what we had and we went traveling all around the world basically like missionaries. We left all of our friends. We left our home. We left our town. We left everything that we knew, and we sold every most of what we had, and we went. And I found myself at one point in my life, in my early teens, living in a very small island in the Philippines. When I say very small, I mean um, when there was a big storm, you couldn't get sugar, you couldn't get milk, you couldn't get bread until the storm had passed by, and we could reestablish connections with the mainland. That's how small the island was. and. Uh, We lived in basically a glorified palm tree hut, which was great for me because I'm a boy and boys like that sort of thing. But my mom was very, very sick uh, and she grew sick while we were there on the island. And we actually thought she was going to die. I was very close with my mom and it was very painful for me to see my mom in so much pain. And we couldn't get her to a doctor because there wasn't one on the island. And we couldn't get her off the island because there was a storm. And so we had many nights where sometimes we would pray next to her bed for the whole night for my mom to be healed. And I had a a John the Baptist moment right there. And it really rocked my faith. And it didn't really recover until many years later. And the way that my faith was restored. Was And this is just my own story, but I'm going somewhere with this, was when I watched uh, The Passion of the Christ, which is a movie that came out about the crucifixion of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. And I remember watching that movie as a very jaded teenager whose faith had stumbled and fallen. And I had so many questions. And it felt like to me they were very good questions which God definitely did need to answer to me. Why did you allow my mom to go through that? She didn't die in the end, but she went through a lot. I didn't understand because we had left everything to, to serve Jesus in another nation. And my mom was so sick and she almost died. And, and we had to come back in the end because she was so sick. And I watched the movie, The Passion of the Christ. And I don't know, that movie is very different for different people. But the point was that it was I had a revelation of the cross of Jesus Christ. And God reminded me and showed me in a way that I hadn't seen before, that through the cross, Jesus has demonstrated his love for me and my mom. And he doesn't need to, he didn't need to, he doesn't need to, and he never will need to demonstrate any more how much he loves me and my mom. And Jesus, what he requires of you and of me is to look to the cross. And see how much he loves me. See how much he loves you. In a world that's full and will continue to be full of many unanswered questions. That his revelation of the Father's heart. That God so loved the world. That he gave his only son. That whoever would believe in him would not perish. And I realized in that moment God doesn't need to prove to me that he loves me any more than he already has. And I will have questions until the day that I die. But I don't have to doubt anymore that God loves me and he loves you. And so to all the stumbling saints this morning, I want to encourage you with the words of Jesus. Blessed is the one who does not stumble on account of Christ. Amen. God is not yet finished saving us. And he's not yet finished saving this planet. The story is only half done. God is saving us. He has saved us. He is saving us. And one day he will finally save us and this whole planet when his plan is complete. And the scriptures say that God makes all things beautiful in his time. But it does take time. And until he's done, we will have lots of questions but we can trust Him. He says that He works all things for the good of those who love Him, even the evil things that we suffer. The last group in this story is the most serious case, the self-righteous. There's an interesting phrase here that I want to pick up on that you may have missed when I read it. Oh, I haven't read it. Let's read it. Luke chapter 7, verse 29 and 30. In the same passage right towards the end, it says, All the people, even the tax collectors, when they heard Jesus' words, acknowledged that God's way was right because they had been baptized by John. But the Pharisees and the experts in the law rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. It's an interesting phrase there. God had a plan for them. His plan was for them to be saved. His plan was for them to be forgiven, to be washed, to be cleansed, to be restored and brought into relationship with God the Father. But they rejected God's purpose for themselves. And it says they rejected God's purpose for themselves because they had not been baptized by John. John was something of a stumbling block to the Pharisees. I'm not sure if it was because of his message or because of the way he delivered his message. I've read some of his sermons. They're quite sharp. Any of you read some of John the Baptist's sermons? They were a bit different to the one you're hearing this morning. They were more like, repent, you brood of snakes! Pharisees didn't really warm up to the message. I think the reason why he struggled so much with his, his, his sermon, both the content and perhaps the delivery of the, of the content, was because they didn't think of themselves as sinners. They had a lot of trouble believing that they needed washing. John is famous for being called John the Baptist. He baptized people. Baptism was a sign of having a spiritual bath. But in order to have a spiritual bath, you first need to acknowledge that I'm spiritually dirty. But they didn't think of themselves as being spiritually dirty. They thought they were quite squeaky clean and had obeyed the law and they had done quite quite all right. Everybody else maybe needed some spiritual washing, but they didn't feel like they needed a bath. And it says because they refused to take a spiritual bath, they rejected God's purposes for themselves. Now, that might sound very obvious for us, but you know that in my experience as a pastor, self-righteousness keeps more people out of the kingdom than sin. God can forgive sinners. He can make them new. He can wash them. He can cleanse them. He can make them children of God. But self-righteous people, he can't help. He says, it's not the healthy who need a doctor, it's the sick. All of us are sick, but some of us don't realize it. And I want to say that is especially true in South Africa. South Africa is a very Christian country. But the problem with that is that there are many Pharisees and self-righteous people in South Africa, and myself being one of the first ones to put my hand up to that. I was raised in a Christian home, and I also really, really struggled to see myself as someone needing a spiritual bath. Because I was a missionary's kid. It was a very good sermon for everyone else except for me. But the problem is that self-righteousness is the one thing that will keep you out of the kingdom. In uh, Luke chapter 18, if you could put that one up, Jesus makes the point more clear. He tells the story. It's interesting, it actually tells you why he tells the story. Jesus told this story to some who had great self-confidence and scorned everyone else. Two men went to the temple to pray. One was a Pharisee and the other was a dishonest tax collector. The proud Pharisee stood by himself and prayed this prayer. I thank you, God, that I am not a sinner like everyone else. Especially like that tax collector over there. Must have been an awkward church service, this one. For I never cheat, I don't sin, I don't commit adultery, I fast twice a week, and I tithe. But the tax collector stood at a distance and dared not even lift his eyes to heaven as he prayed. Instead, he beat his chest in sorrow, saying, God, be merciful to me. For well, I am a sinner. I tell you, this sinner, not the Pharisee, who turned home justified before God. This is the money line here at the end. Well, the proud will be humbled, but the humble will be honored. So I want to say this morning, if you maybe grew up in a church or you grew up in a Christian family, and you are familiar with the things of God, I want you to take a moment this morning to look at your faith. And what your faith is actually in. It's very easy to start well and start in grace. But slowly and sneakily over time, your confidence shifts from Christ to my own righteousness. And that is a very treacherous thing to build your faith on. I've done it and it's easy for all of us to do it. And it can keep us out of the kingdom. And one of the ways we know that we have fallen out of grace is that we are ungracious to others. We find it hard to forgive when people sin against us because we've built our whole lives upon our own ability to do what's right in my own strength. And so I hold others to the same standard that I hold myself to. And it makes it hard to be gracious. And this Pharisee was ungracious, but he's not the only one that is ungracious. There are times when I can be ungracious and unkind, and when other people fail to make them try and earn their way back into my good books. But that's a sign. It's a sign that I have fallen into self-righteousness. And if I look carefully in my own heart, I find that when I come into God's presence, I'm actually coming on the basis of, "I I think I've done pretty well this week. I think I've had a good year. And that's the one thing that will keep me from God's grace, because God says He opposes the proud. And he gives grace to the humble. And so we're going to close and pray now. But this morning I want to speak to you in whichever category you find yourself in. Whether you find yourself as a seeker who really wants to find God. You're sincerely looking for him. And I would encourage you this morning to say Jesus wants you to come. And he has made a way for you to come. And he has made a way for you to come through the cross. Because it's only Jesus would say, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. But, but anyone can come. John 3.16, For God so loved the world that whoever would believe in him and trust in him would not be judged, but would be given eternal life, the gift of eternal life. And to the ones who are maybe stumbling or have stumbled, And maybe you stumbled in here this morning. And God wants to restore your faith by turning your eyes to the cross and saying, with all the questions that you may have, there's one resounding answer. And that is the cross of Jesus Christ. Jesus has demonstrated His love for us in this, that while we were still enemies, Christ died for us. And yes, we have lots of questions and we will have lots of questions, but we should never doubt that He loves us and He wants to save us and He wants to make something beautiful out of our lives. And lastly, to the religious amongst us, who maybe you've grown up in a Christian home or been surrounded by church people your whole life, but never yourself actually acknowledged, God, I, I need forgiveness. I'm not good enough to merit and earn my own way to heaven. Whether I started out that way or I've become that way over time. And I've become that self-righteous Pharisee. It's hard to admit it because pride doesn't like to admit that sort of thing. But God, I want to acknowledge your grace this morning. So let's close eyes and pray.